Welcome to the OKC Community Podcast. We are so glad you're here. To get the latest updates or to watch this week's message, visit our website at okccommunitychurch.com. Amen. Well, so good to be with you today. We are on week number three of our series called Every Good Work. And we've been talking about the good work that God wants to do in and through us. Now, I just want to ask you as we get going, have you ever had a moment when you would recognize that that was definitely not God working through me? <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? When you're like a string of words come out of your mouth, you're like, how'd that happen? You know what I mean? Like I'm usually Disney, but so, all of a sudden I came, became Quentin Tarantino in a second. I don't know what happened. You guys know what I'm saying? Are you all with me today? Are you all with me today? I'm going to have some work to do. I can already tell I have work to do to get you to be with me today. We're going to get there. But there are moments, there are moments when God uh, flows through us. And there are other moments when there is something other than God flowing through us. And today, this is a message about the honest struggle that we have to be who we want to be. And so I've titled today's message, Who Am I Going to Be Today? Who am I going to be today? Look at the person next to you and say, who are you going to be today? Go ahead and ask him that. We're going to be in the book of 1 Samuel today. I think this is going to be a very uh, uh, real and authentic, if you will, kind of moment that we get to have together around this subject of who am I going to be today. But we're going to be in 1 Samuel chapter 19. We're going to get into Romans. We're going to get into Galatians. But 1 Samuel, we find a story about King Saul and a young David. Now, if you don't know much about uh, the books of First and Second Samuel. Let me give you just a little bit of context real quick. Um, but this is an Old Testament story. It's a thousand years before Jesus, about 500 years after Moses. So those are some of the, you know, the markers that you can, you can kind of identify. The people of God were known as the Israelites, um, and they were originally a tribe, right? They're a tribal group of people. Well, they were transitioning into a nation with a king, and King Saul was the first king of that nation. So modern-day Israel that we know about today, its roots can go all the way back to this story in 1 Samuel where you have the first king of Israel, King Saul, and David becomes the second king a few years later. And so this story we're about to read comes from a time whenever, yes, Saul is king, but David is this young, scrappy warrior, harp-playing, song-writing, you know, national hero. He's the all-Israeli boy that every young dude wants to be and every woman wants to be with, all right? And King Saul was getting a little tired of this. He was growing a little weary, a little envious of the new hero in town, all right? That's where we pick up the story in 1 Samuel chapter 19, verse number one, and it says this, Saul told his son Jonathan and all the attendants to kill David. So he's, he's fed up, right? He's done. Saul's become jealous of David. And just so you know, David hadn't done anything wrong except, you know, basically win him some wars. And Saul's son, Jonathan, was a great friend of David. And so he decided to talk to his father, David, and said, hey, listen, less Tarantino, more Disney. You know what I'm saying? All right. That's the last time I'll make that joke because it's not working. All right. First, <laughs> first Samuel 19, 4. Here we go. Jonathan spoke well of his, or, or, talk, or spoke with his father about David, saying many good things about him. The king must not sin against his servant David. 
Jonathan said, he's never done anything to harm you. He's always helped you in any way he could. Have you forgotten about the time that he risked his life to kill the Philistine giant and how the Lord brought a great victory to all of Israel as a result? He said, you certainly are happy about that then. Why should you murder an innocent man like David? There is no reason for it at all. So Saul listened to Jonathan, his son, and he vowed, he made an oath, he promised, as surely as the Lord lives, David will not be killed. So this is good news, right? You know, Saul is coming to his senses and he says, you know, you're right, son, David's a pretty good guy. I promise, I promise I'll keep him alive. All right, and then afterward, the next verse says, afterward, Jonathan called David to tell him the news. Right? Then he brought David to Saul, and David served in the court as before. War broke out again after that, and David led his troops against the Philistines. He attacked them with such fury that they all ran away. Now that's legit, right? Like they're all running in fear of David. That is like too legit to quit. But one, one day when Saul was sitting at home with a spear in his hand, as you do as an ancient king, right? He's holding a spear in his hand. The tormenting spirit suddenly came upon him as David played his harp. Saul hurled his spear at David, but David dodged out of the way. Of course he did. He's the all Israeli boy, right? And leaving the spear stuck in the wall. So he throws it, sticks in the wall. He fled, David fled and escaped into the night. So the promise that Saul made to not kill David literally lasted two verses, right? Imagine this scene. David is playing the harp like a champ after he had just defeated and had success on the battlefield. And Saul is looking at him with the spear in his hand, just getting more and more angry. And he's growing more and more jealous. And so he throws a spear and David eludes the spear Matrix style is what I picture, right? Like he's slow motion, eluding the spear. It sticks into the wall. And then as the story goes on, which we didn't read, Saul begins to chase him because David read the room. He's like, I should probably get out of here. He, he leaves and Saul starts to hunt him down and he's looking for him. And something very, very strange happens in verse 23. So we're just a few verses later, something crazy happens as Saul is literally hunting David to kill him. Check this out. So Saul went to Naoth at Ramah. Now, now, now Saul learns that he's at this place and he's hiding out. And so he goes after him. But the spirit of God came even on him, came on Saul as he walked along prophesying until he came to Naoth. So let's consider what's happened, right? Chapter 19 begins with Saul saying, I'm going to kill David. Verse number seven, Saul makes an oath, I'm not going to kill David. And then in verse number nine, he's throwing a spear at him, trying to kill David. Then in verse 23, he's prophesying the things of the Lord. In one breath, he's throwing spears, and another breath, he's prophesying. The story seems ridiculous until you find yourself in the same story, right? That there are how how many times do we have the tendency in short, amount, short amounts of times to be throwing spears, if you will, at people, and then and within moments we could be praising God? Right? The question is, who are we going to be today? Am I going to be the person who's throwing spears or I'm going to be the prophet? And when I say the prophet, I want you to just think about it in these terms. 
Am I going to be the person that God works in and through? Am I going to be the person, I'm going to be the man or the woman of God that I'm joining God in his work? Or am I going to be the person throwing spears? Who am I going to be today? And I don't know if you, if you re- relate with this, but I, I, I think about this and I realize it doesn't take much for me to be the person that starts throwing spears pretty quickly. I, I was, uh, a few years ago, I was at home and I was working on a sermon. I was on I was on assignment from Jesus, guys. I was writing my sermon that I was going to give. I was in the Jesus zone, right? And lunchtime came, and my kids were home that day, and I, need, I was in charge of getting them lunch. And so instead of a nutritious lunch, I decided to jump in the car, drive around the corner to a little local pizza joint. Maybe you've heard of it. Maybe not. It's called Little Caesars Pizzeria. So <laughs> I realized this week that I have too many stories about Little Caesars in my life, and that's a problem. I don't even like Little Caesars, so that's another subject we'll talk about another day. But nonetheless, I go get this pizza, and I, I go through, they have a drive-thru, I go through the drive-thru, I order my hot and ready cheese pizza and my crazy bread, and I'm on my way home, and I realize as I start to pull out that I did not get the marinara sauce. And I'm like, oh, I gotta, I'm just gonna, I gotta go get it for the crazy bread. So I go back in to Little Caesars and I say, oh, hey, you know what? You guys forgot to give me my marinara sauce. And they go, oh, that'll be $1. And I go, oh, no, no, no. You know, I, I, already ordered, I already ordered a pizza and crazy bread. It comes with the sauce, right? And they're like, no, 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 no. You, you ordered a cheese pizza and crazy bread separately. You should have said crazy combo and it would have came with the sauce. And I go, hold on. So I didn't say crazy combo. And they said, that's right. We rung it up separately. It doesn't come with sauce. But if you would have said crazy combo, by the way, that would have been cheaper and you would have got the sauce. So now I owe a dollar to get the sauce that I paid more for already. I already paid more money and I still can't get the sauce. And they're like, yeah, that's right. You know what? Let me ask my manager to see what we can do for you. And I'm like, sweet. Okay. Like, just, I've already. And so anyway, they come back and they go, yeah, my manager said that you're going to have to pay for the sauce. And I said, you know what? You can keep your sauce. And I walked out. I mean, I had this little tantrum, right? And little Caesars. And here's the deal. Like, and then I got back home with my pizza and crazy bread, and you, don't, you know, within minutes, I'm back in the Jesus zone writing my message. I'm like, oh, love your neighbor as yourself. Love is patient. Love is kind. You know what I mean? Thankfully, I obviously didn't, I didn't do much, right? I, it wasn't that big a deal. But I did throw a little small dagger, you know, keep your stupid sauce. And then I'm back in the Jesus zone. You never, I mean, I, and, and that's the thing. We do this all the time, and that's a stupid story, I know, but it can get a lot bigger to where... One moment, one moment we are complaining, arguing, cursing, whatever the thing is, not just about the things we say, but the things we do. One, way we, one moment we are, in, in essence, throwing spears, and in the next moment we are, in essence, trying to prophesy or trying to praise God or trying to do the work of the Lord. And so the question is, who am I going to be today? It's really, for me, it's a very relevant question. Are we going to throw spears or are we going to prophesy? And we have to come to grips there are competing forces that try and work in and through us. Paul talks about this in Romans chapter seven. He says, I find this law at work, although I wanna do good. So he's like, I wanna do good work. Although I wanna do good, evil is right there with me. For in my inner being, I delight in God's law, meaning in my heart, I like, I love God's word. But I see another law at work in me, waging war against the law of my mind. So we're going to talk about our minds a little bit. 
making me a prisoner of the law of sin at work within me. Paul says that there are competing forces that try and govern your mind. Anybody, anybody, are you with me now? Yeah, so there's this, let's say it this way. We'll put this on the screen. What is the consistent inconsistency for you? And what I mean by that is that there are things in which you're trying to be consistent, but there's this inconsistency that keeps coming in to your life. This competing force that looks to work through you when you're trying to consistently allow God to work through you, there's an inconsistency that keeps coming and working through you. Are you with me? Or maybe we could say it this way, maybe make it more simple. What is the competing force in you that disrupts God from working through you? What's happening in you to prevent God from doing what he wants to do through you? I wonder how many of us resonate with the notion, the only thing I'm consistent at is being inconsistent. <laughs> and, and I think for a lot of us that that's, that's probably something we deal with in our faith life. There are several things that become the usual suspects of the inconsistent tendencies that we have. And this, a lot of them aren't sinful, by the way, but some of them are. And just real quick about the idea of sin, I'll, just, I'll mention it this way, because they all kind of live under the umbrella. Maybe you've heard of the seven deadly sins. Well, in case you're wondering what those things are, you throw those up on the screen. The seven deadly sins are pride, greed, lust, envy, gluttony, anger, and sloth. And, and, and those are just unofficial, but those are categories of sin, right, that lead to so many other types of behaviors. For example, we'll go over here. These are the kind of things that it may lead to. Grumbling, complaining, gossip, jealousy, comparison, which is a sickness in our world right now. We compare ourselves to so many others. Bitterness, complacency, meaning we're complacent about the things that we should not be complacent about. The things that are really important we'll kind of put to the sideline or we'll act like aren't that important, whether that be the the, the com great commission of Christ or whether that be loving our neighbors or whatever it may be. We find ourselves becoming complacent. Sometimes as people who are Christians, and I know not everybody in here would claim to be a Christian, but I would say even as Christians, we can talk more about the negative things of life than the positive things. So if you want to put the spears down, for example, talk 10 times more about the good things in life instead of the bad things. And when I say that, the people of God, I just want you to know that the people of God in the Old Testament you heard this a lot, they were constantly grumbling and complaining. It was their consistent inconsistency. And I'm not saying bad things don't happen. I'm not saying you can't talk about that, bad things. I'm not saying any of that. I'm not saying that we shouldn't deal with those things or that we should ignore them. But if you find yourself continually talking about how bad things are for you or for other people even, sometimes you're just always commenting on other people, if you tend to see the negative before the positive, if you, if you start several sentences a day with, uh, oh my gosh, did you hear this? <laughs> or perhaps I'm not complaining, but <laughs> if you start several sentences a day, we need to be people who shed light on the fact that God is doing all sorts of good work. There are enough negative voices in the world that the people of God need to be the people that are pointing to every good work that God is doing. And here's the thing. It's just way too easy to be impressed by the work of the enemy and the darkness in the world. It's almost as if we're impressed by it. We talk about it so much. And I'm just telling you, the work of the enemy is actually pretty unimpressive compared to the work of the Lord. 
right? It's pretty unimpressive. But yet, strangely, we can be captivated. We can be captivated by what the work of the enemy is. And, and here's the deal. I just want us to be captivated by the good work of God. Because here's the thing. When we can talk 10 times more about the things that God is doing, guess what? That's when we actually start to help people change their lives. That's when we actually change the culture around us. Anyway, that's just a sidebar just for free. Here you go. All right. Let's get back to the consistent inconsistency. So Paul talks about this law at work within him in Romans chapter 7, right? He says there's two, two different forces working in me. And he follows it up in Romans chapter 8 by talking about life through the Spirit. So I would really encourage you to go home and read all of Romans 8 because it's an amazing chapter about life through the Spirit, the, the Spirit flowing through you. Because he essentially says, with this whole battle in my mind, there's only one solution, and it's the Holy Spirit. He said, it's the only way that I could figure this out. And so I'm going to read a couple verses, and I encourage you to read it all on your own. But it says this, verse 5, Those who live according to the flesh have their minds set on what the flesh desires, but those who live in accordance with the Spirit have their minds, remember we're talking about our minds, set on what the Spirit desires. The mind governed by the flesh is death, but the mind governed by the Spirit is life and peace. I love that verse. It's a mind governed by the spirit where the competing forces become less competitive. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like whenever we have a mind that is governed by the spirit, the things that we battle with become less competitive in our life. And some of us need to hear, and I believe this, even for those who come to church often, I would say we need to hear that the ways of the spirit, they aren't mystical, they aren't weird, they aren't strange. It simply means that I'm a person who follows in the ways of Jesus and allows God's presence to not only lead and guide me, to be, but to be my daily bread. It's what I, it's what I live off of. And so the Apostle Paul, he he's talks more about this in Galatians 5. And I'm going to read this passage from the Passion Translation. I usually read from the NIV, but I like how it's said in the Passion. It says this, Galatians 5, 6, 16. Again, he's talking about the spirit, but really what is he, what are we, where are we starting with? That there are things that are inconsistent in life. Who are we going to be today? Are we going to be throwing spears? Are we going to be prophesying? And he says, listen, um, your mind is going to be governed. There's two competing forces and uh, there's one though, if you're governed by the spirit. And then he goes on in this verse, he says, let me emphasize this. As you yield to the dynamic life and power of the Holy Spirit, you will abandon the cravings of the self-life. When your self-life, which is, by the way, a mind governed by the flesh, when your self-life craves things that offend the Holy Spirit, guess what happens? You hinder him, meaning God, from living free within you, meaning he's not going to be able to work in you or through you. And the Holy Spirit's intense cravings, he says on the flip side, the Holy Spirit's intense cravings, when the Holy Spirit is governing your mind, it has intense cravings, and that will hinder you from the self-life dominating you. So then, the two incompatible and conflicting or competing forces, are we teaching the word today? That are within you are your self-life of the flesh and new creation life of the spirit. He's like, listen, you're going to have two forces within you. One is of the flesh, one is of the spirit. He says, a mind that is governed by the flesh is death. A mind governed by the spirit is life and peace. Paul is like, listen, I get it. Some days you're going to want to throw spears and other days you're going to want to prophesy. I get it. He's like, 
but there's freedom from that internal battle and that internal struggle found in God's presence, in his spirit. You can't get it any other way than by yielding. Everyone say yielding. yielding. Everyone say yielding one more time. By yielding to the dynamic life and power of the Holy Spirit. That's what it said, right, in Galatians 5. He says, I li- so I like this word yielding, by the way. I want you to picture like a yield sign, right? Like when I yield to something, I'm letting it, someone go ahead of me. He's like, I'm letting the Holy Spirit go ahead of me. The Holy Spirit always has the right of way. Sometimes we stop, but when it's a four-way stop, we think we get our turn. <laughs> but when there's a yield sign, it's always whoever's going that way, they have the right of way. Are you with me? And so this is me saying I need the Holy Spirit to always go ahead of me. Paul goes on. He keeps going, but a few verses later about the good ways of the Spirit. Galatians 5, verse 22. He says the fruit of the Spirit. So when you have a mind governed by the Spirit, whenever you've said, okay, I can't win this war in my mind. I need to just somehow yield to the Spirit. And you're like, I don't even know what that means, but I'm going to start figuring it out. He says, well, the fruit of that is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Who wants to live like that? We know this is the fruit of the Spirit. Against such things there is no law. I mean, there's nothing preventing you from being that person. Those who belong to Christ have been crucified who have, have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. In case you're wondering, like sometimes the Bible gets real wordy and you're like crucified the flesh, blah, blah, blah. What is he saying? We've put the mind, we've put the mind governed by the flesh to death, right? Since we live by the spirit, let us keep in step with the spirit. Guys, I'm just reading the Bible today. I hope that's okay. I want to show you something. I got a picture for you. This is my desk. I made it with my bare hands. Anyway, that's not why I'm, I mean, I'm kidding, but it's a metaphor, but it really happened. Um, That's not why I'm showing my desk, though. Uh, You can zoom in on it. Uh, So those are the fruit of the spirit, right, on my my lamp. I'm really high tech in my office. This is a post-it note, and I wrote them all down. And here's the deal. I'm kind of playing around, but I'm being serious. Um, Every day, I put this up there because every day... Uh, I need to be reminded of what needs to govern my mind. And every day I, I, I put this there to remind me. And just so you know, I didn't put it up on Friday to make a Sunday illustration. <laughs> just put it up there and snap a pig. This will be good. I didn't do that. This has been up there for like a year or more. And I, every day I'm up there, I just remind myself, because here's what I have the tendency to do. I, I have the tendency in life and to, to be inconsistent with some things. I don't know about you. But like I start to become impatient with people. I start to become unkind at times. Um, the things that I want to have self-control on, I become out of control. And so before I know it, I'm throwing spears instead of prophesying. And when I ask myself who I want to be today, this is who I want to be. This is who I want to be. I want to be a person. And so I, I, I'm reminding myself regularly that I need to be governed by the Spirit. And, and, and I want to be yielded to the Spirit 
And so even though I'm not perfect and even though I'm going to mess up and every once in a while I'm going to, I'm going to throw that spirit, I, I want to be able to more and more in my life grow in my consistency before the Lord because I don't want my, my, this battle that keeps going. I don't, I don't need that for the rest of my life to never grow. I want to grow and get better in the battle. And in order to do that, I have to declare truths over my life to remind me of who's really in control, who's really the one that I get to give the right away to my life. Are you guys with me? And so if you're not declaring truths over your life, if you're, not, if you're not reminding yourself of who you really are, there's no way that you're gonna go do the things that God wants you to do because before you ever do, you have to understand a few things about who you are. And so when I start to understand this, it starts to help me know um, that I want to be more consistent with the right things. We want to rid ourselves of the sin that disrupts our consistency. And I know a lot of you probably are like, I just want to be consistent in reading the Bible. I just want to be consistent in coming to church. You know, those are all part of it, right? I just want to be consistent in doing the right thing. Before you can be consistent in disciplines, you have to start to understand, like, it's first and foremost a yielding to the Holy Spirit to work in and through you. That I need the Holy Spirit to work in and through me. Now, if you've ever tried um, to willpower your way to better behavior, for example, you quickly realize that your will doesn't have very much power. <laughs> it's only when you yield to the dynamic life and power of the Holy Spirit that you will abandon the self-life cravings. Your power is limited. His is not. So this teaching series is about awakening us to the deep and meaningful good work that God wants to do in and through you. And his work, just so you know, it's not reserved for just a few. It's not reserved for Sunday morning, you know, in, in the church. It's not re reserved for those who work in ministry. It's obviously his work is in the world every day of the week, and it takes on many forms. But his work is anything infused with his good purposes in this world, anything infused with the yielding to the Holy Spirit. So if you wake up in the morning and say, Lord, I'm going to give my, my day to you. I'm going to give you the things of my job. I'm going to submit these things to you. I'm going to ask you to work in them. And you are yielded to the Spirit doing it. And then you actually do the things he leads you to do and be the person he calls you to be. Well, his work is everywhere all the time in every person. God wants to work in and through you. And so when, I, when, I, when we put that truth out, it sounds so simple and so kind of generic, but it kind of leads me to this place. So who am I going to be today? Who am I going to be today? Am I going to be the person that allows God to work in through me? Or am I going to start throwing spears? Am I going to be impatient? Am I going to allow that battle in me to win? Who are you going to be today? And no matter how close or far you feel from God, I want you to hear this. He still wants to work in and through you. You don't have to be close for him to work in you. In fact, sometimes it's the people who are farthest away from God that he works not only the deepest in, but the deepest through. You guys remember the story in John chapter 4, the woman at the well? Right? He goes, Jesus goes up to her. She's far from God. She's had all sorts of relationships with all sorts of men, and she is not connected to the Lord at all. Well, he does a deep work in her. 
And then immediately she starts, she goes into her city and starts telling the story of Jesus and what the work that Jesus had done in her. And God starts working through her. And it says that the whole city, it says that many in the city turned to Jesus because of her testimony. So God isn't looking for the most spiritual. God isn't looking for the, only the people that, who have done everything right to work through. He's looking for anyone willing to let him work in and through no matter how far you feel or how close you feel. And so if you feel close, well, all the more, I want you to realize this, that God wants to do more in and through you than he ever has. That he's not done and he's got more in store. He wants to work in and through you. God wants to do that more than ever. He wants to be consistent in you. He wants your heart to be consistently governed by his spirit. He wants your love so that he can work through your life in more power. So I'm kind of throwing a few different questions out today, but one of them is, who are you going to be today? Another one is, what's the work that God wants to do in and through you? So who are you going to be today? And just in case you think, well, that's, that's all good, but you don't understand. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not a person that's a great person. I throw a lot of spears. <laughs> and I'm here today, but... I'm here today and I don't feel good about myself. Ephesians 2.10, I think, is a word for you today. We are joined to Jesus, the anointed one, which means any person that says, Jesus Christ is Lord, I confess him as my Lord. We are joined to Jesus. And it says this, even before we were born, God planned in advance our destiny and the good works we would do to fulfill it. Meaning he's been planning and he has planned a destiny for you and he has good works for you to go fulfill and do. And it's only your work. It's only you that can do it. And I've, I've always loved this thought that there is a special work for each and every one of us. So who am I going to be today? A few thoughts for us to close with. I have a, a couple thoughts I want to throw on screen that are sort of declarations. I was just, because I feel like sometimes the truth just needs to come into us. So if we were going to say, who am I going to be today? And we said it like this. I'm going to be a child of God created to fulfill the destiny and good works he's created for me. That's Ephesians 2.10. And that I'm going to yield to the work of the Holy Spirit consistently in and through me. I don't know if you need that today, but if you need that today, I would say this is a declaration, a truth that you can say over your life. Again, that I'm, gonna, that I'm going to be a child of God created to fulfill the destiny and the good works he's created for me, and I'm going to yield to the work of the Holy Spirit consistently in and through me. So those are just declarations, but there's two questions as well that I want to give you today because I feel like you should work on these questions about work, all right? And the first one is this, God has good work he wants to do in you, so what is that work? And I really want you to think on this question and why, and, and I really want you to think about it from a standpoint of present tense. Like what's he want to do in you now? I'm not asking what's the big work of your life? What's the big calling of your life? We'll talk a little bit about some of that next week, but this week it's more about what's he want to do in you today? Who do you want to be today? What's the work he wants to do in you right now? And then secondly, God has a good work he wants to do through you. And what is that work? What's, what's going on in this season right now in your life that you're like, God, God wants to use me, and he wants to do something through me. 
I actually think these simple questions are some of the biggest questions that Christians just sort of skip over. Meaning, who am I going to be today? What's the work that God wants to do in me? And what's the work that God wants to do through me? I just want to pray together because I think, uh, I think actually in prayer is where we're going to get some work done today. So would you, would you uh, just bow your heads? We want to invite Holy Spirit for you to come. We invite you to work in us right now. In fact, I just want to let you say that prayer. Something to the effect of, God, would you work in me right now? I'm open to receive. I wasn't really thinking about this, but all of a sudden right now, I feel the, the, I feel the, uh, the urge, the, the nudge to just open myself up to you right now to do something in me. So maybe you just say a prayer like this. You can just say it. I'll just give you just a moment to say it. Say, come Holy Spirit, work in my heart right now. Come Holy Spirit, work in my heart. Would you just say that to him? If you feel comfortable, if you really are open to that today. Come Holy Spirit, work in me. Maybe today you need God to heal, raise up, cast out. Perhaps today is the day you need to respond and come forward for a time of, of healing prayer, or a time of saying, I just need this out of my life and I, and I just need God's help. You see, this question, who are you going to be today, is, is a lot about how we respond to the Father. And just in prayer, in a kind of a moment of prayer, I want you to even consider that. Like, how am I going to respond to the Father today? Is he putting anything in my heart? Is there a work that he wants to do in me? Because so many times God wants to do a work in us. And what happens is we allow fear or we allow complacency or we allow some sort of passivity to kind of overtake that work that he wants to do in us. And we procrastinate on that work when God is saying, no, I want to do that work right now. I've been speaking it and it's not for later, it's for now. And so I'm actually believing, and this is what I kind of felt, is that God's been wanting to do work in many of us and we've been procrastinating or we've been waiting and I'm trying to give you a, a present tense question, not a future question. What's the work that God wants to do in you now? Maybe it's a work of healing, casting out, raising up. Maybe it's a work of salvation. Maybe it's a work of, of just drawing himself to you so you can, you can, you can just allow him to, be, to fill you up. Maybe it's forgiveness. Perhaps today is the day you come and get on your knees and say, God, would you forgive me? Maybe it's repentance. Maybe it's a recommitment. I actually want to give you a moment to ask that question. God, what do you want to do in me? We've been talking a lot about through, and I believe that that's a relevant question, but I want to start with, with this one right now today. What's the work that God wants to do in me? I actually want to give you 30 seconds. I'm going to quit talking for you to just sit with that question and allow God to speak to you. What's God want to do in you? Would you reflect on that? Would you pray on that? Would you listen right now? Holy Spirit, would you come and speak?
want to do in you? Has he been prompting something? Has he been speaking to your heart, maybe even before today, and it's coming back to you right now? Or maybe it's a fresh thing right now that you're just like, man, I, I'm feeling conviction in my heart. I didn't expect it, but I, I got to do it. I got to respond to it. You know, when we come into this place, it's about response. Yeah, we want to proclaim the good news. We want to worship him with freedom, but we also want to respond to him. So I want to give you time to respond in just a moment. We're going to sing a song. This altar is going to be open. Our prayer team will be here. You can pray with someone. You can pray on your own. There'll also be time after the service, but more than anything, I just wanted to say, what's the thing he wants to do in you? Will you grab a hold of it today? Father, I pray that as we take the things that you speak to us, that we would be faithful, we would be courageous, we would be bold, we would be, we would be filled with conviction to trust the things that you put in our hearts. The Father, we wouldn't, we wouldn't cower in fear or we wouldn't worry what everybody thinks or we wouldn't worry about even, we wouldn't even worry about the things that maybe we said in the past, that the things you're saying now seem to contradict it. But Father, that we wouldn't limit ourselves to the direction that you want to take us. And so Father, I pray right now in the name of Jesus that every person, every person would find um, that thing is that you want to do in them and that we would be faithful not resistant, but faithful to trust you with it. We pray these things in your name. Amen. I want to invite you to stand. and We're going to worship. And as I already said, this altar is open. Our team is here to pray with anybody that needs prayer today. We hope you've enjoyed this week's message. If there's anything we can pray with you about, or if you have questions about God, we'd love to talk with you. Please visit our contact page at okccommunitychurch.com.